Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Wednesday, July 8th, and this is your FT News Briefing. The largest donor of the World Health Organization is headed for the exit. The FT reveals that Italy's most powerful mafia group was behind bonds sold to international investors, and the level of investment in U.S. offshore wind power is closing in on that of offshore oil drilling. Plus, coronavirus has put more demand on low-wage workers. The FT's Claire Bushy explains how these workers are pushing back and demanding better compensation. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Washington formally notified the United Nations of the U.S.'s intention to withdraw from the WHO after the standard notice period of one year. That's according to a senior Trump administration official who spoke to the FT yesterday. The U.S. contributed about $900 million to the WHO, about 16.5% of the U.N. body's biennial budget in 2018-2019. President Trump suspended funding for the WHO in April, and in May he said he would cut all ties. Mr. Trump has accused the organization of helping China cover up the origins of the coronavirus in Wuhan province. Democrats criticized Mr. Trump for withdrawing, and it comes at a time when coronavirus cases are surging in the U.S. Just yesterday, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services announced it would set up surge testing sites in three states, Florida, Texas, and Louisiana. Now, this 12-month notice period comes with a little bit of wiggle room. If Democratic presidential nominee Joe Biden beats Mr. Trump in November's election, the exit could be reversed. Meanwhile, experts from the World Health Organization will travel to China this weekend. They'll work to identify the animal origin of COVID-19. Now, turning to one of the wealthiest and feared crime groups in the Western world, the Indrangheta. It's Italy's most powerful mafia group, and according to financial and legal documents seen by the Financial Times, it's backed bonds that ended up being bought by international investors. Market participants say that an estimated 1 billion euros of these private bonds were sold to international investors between 2015 and 2019. Some of the bonds were linked to assets later revealed to be created by front companies for the Indrangheta. In one case, one of Europe's largest private banks bought the bonds, and accountancy group EY provided consulting services on the transaction. Other investors in the bonds included pension funds, hedge funds, and family offices. People involved in the deals say these investors were all looking for exotic ways of earning high returns at a time of record low interest rates. And for this next story, let's go back to 10 years ago. The year is 2010, and the Deepwater Horizon drilling disaster in the Gulf of Mexico has the global energy sector's attention. At the time, U.S. offshore oil development received $154 billion of investment. The figure for commercial-scale offshore wind was zero. But fast forward to today, and the amount of investment for both U.S. offshore wind and oil are nearly neck and neck. Offshore wind projects are on course for about $78 billion in capital spending this decade, just $4 billion less than what's planned for U.S. offshore oil and gas development. Why the increase in wind power? East Coast states like New York, New Jersey, and Virginia have all made wind power a priority. High upfront costs for these projects are expected to decline in the coming decade. Plus, oil production is stagnant. 
The Energy Information Administration says that offshore oil production will likely rise by only 200,000 barrels a day this decade. That's due to a few factors. There are good inland oil supplies, high exploration costs, and worries about the environmental impact. And here's a story you should know more about. The pandemic has shown the spotlight on the role of so-called key workers in our economy. Think Amazon warehouse workers and grocery delivery drivers, for example. But the wages and working conditions these individuals face have proven that those deemed essential are not always treated as such. The FT's Claire Bushy has been reporting on whether these heroes of the lockdown can expect a new bargaining power over wages and paid sick leave in the coronavirus era. She started by telling me about what this relationship with the big employers looked like before the crisis. The unionization rate has been falling in the United States and the UK for decades, and that means workers have less power to band together and bargain collectively to improve their wages. And the second big thing that's happened is there's been this breakdown in the traditional relationship between employer and worker. In a nutshell, not everyone who works in an Amazon warehouse is an Amazon employee. Amazon doesn't necessarily sign their checks. Amazon and other big companies with extensive supply chains, they are outsourcing their labor. They hire a company to run their warehouses, and that company hires staffing agencies to staff them. And with all those different layers of operations, each company needs to make their profit margin. And you make your margin by paying the people at the bottom of the pyramid less. So Claire, you spoke with Chantrice Johnson, who works in a Chicago Amazon warehouse. And back in March, her team discovered that a contractor tested positive for coronavirus. But she said that Amazon downplayed it and Chantrice continued to go to work because she felt like she didn't have many other options. I was worried because of the fact that I didn't want to get sick and I'm also a single parent and I couldn't stop working because I still have to pay bills, pay rent and all that. And it turns out Chantrice, who's asthmatic, ended up contracting coronavirus. Claire, how unique is a situation like the one she was in? Sadly, it's not unique at all. Workers who make $15 an hour or considerably less. In the United States, the federal minimum is $7.25 an hour. Of course they have to make a choice between whether they are going to go to work and continue to be paid and so that they can try to pay their bills or to stop work. And most places in the United States don't have paid sick leave, and so they will not be paid for that time or they will lose their jobs. And Chantrice and her fellow workers started participating in, in safety strikes. Can you tell me a little bit about what they were asking for? They, you know, were asking for better sick time policies from Amazon. They were asking for better notification when someone was testing positive for COVID who worked in the workforce at the warehouse. And, and Chantrice said to some extent the strikes worked, Amazon responded by allowing workers to stay home if they were worried about getting sick. I think uh, we did make an impact. may have been a small one, but we did get them to listen. So they're making small strides, but had we not protested, 
you know, not just us, but other warehouses throughout the U.S., they probably wouldn't be doing nothing. We should note that Amazon added extra pay in the first few months of the pandemic and made a one-time bonus payment for everyone in June. The company also said that it has an open-door policy for workers to bring concerns directly to management. But, you know, Claire, I wonder if this moment will fundamentally change the way we think about this kind of labor and how it's compensated coming out of the pandemic. I spoke with an organizer at Arise Chicago, which is uh, labor nonprofit, she said that she is seeing more workers who have never taken action are doing so. Instead of being afraid of the boss, which is the fear we used to confront, they're afraid for their lives. People are scared both for themselves and for their families. I don't think like low wage workers are under any illusions about how much they have to lose. I think it's just a matter of the stakes have changed. And you have to remember, it's not like wages were growing during times of low unemployment. There has been stagnation in real wage growth in the United States for like 30 years. So as this organizer I spoke with said, people are not willing to put up with abuse anymore. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Hi, this is Matt. And Sean. From Two Black Guys. With good credit. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellingcat.com.